1: Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it Get 1% better every day Just get a little bit better every day Hey, welcome back Steven Holder with Zach Kiefer Another episode of 1% Better It is Monday, October 5th The Colts are now 3-1 They got a road victory The first one of the year Over the Chicago Bears Their Midwest neighbors A little three-hour trip, I guess, from Indianapolis, unless you had my luck <laughs> and got stuck behind the wreck from hell trying to get home. But anyhow, that's why we're late. So that's another story. But anyhow, Zach, uh, this game will not be memorialized in the Smithsonian. Like, this was not a pretty game, <laughs> okay? No, and, and that's the beauty of it. It bored me to tears at time, but you know what? It doesn't matter. And, and I think that's kind of what this team is right now. Just get it done. Just win the game and move on. Just overall thoughts? Yeah, we can get into the, the flaws floor. later, and, and there were some. Um, but this thought came to
2: my mind about third or fourth quarter, and, and I'm anxious for your thoughts as well. In all the conversations we've had with Chris Ballard over the years since he took over as general manager in 2013, this game, more than a lot of the others I've seen, maybe more than any other I've seen under this coaching staff, this is how Ballard wants his team to play. Now, he doesn't want them to play like they did on offense. Let's Let's get that out there. But he wants a team that can win like that like what you saw yesterday where they absolutely dominated on defense and the defense carried the offense and they weren't good in a lot of areas and they still won. Um, That's what he wants. He thinks that kind of team can win in December and January. And um, look, you know, he wants to outscore people as much as anybody, but that was as good of a defensive performance I've seen from this franchise in a long time and if you put these three games in a row, I know they haven't played elite quarterbacks, but that's not their fault. They don't make the schedule. Stack the Vikings and the Jets and the Bears back to back to back. That's as good as I've seen the Colts play defense in probably 10 years. That was what I took away from it.
1: Yeah, it's a, it sounds like a bold statement, and it is a bold statement, but it's also probably true, <laughs> okay? That's the thing. We're not just, like, talking out of our ass here. I mean, we've seen this team flirt with – with good defensive play you know, in that 10-year span. We've seen them flirt yeah, with it. for sure. Notice I'm saying they never did it consistently. This is the most consistent stretch I think I've seen in my time around this team, and this is my eighth season, and I didn't miss much the previous two years before I got <laughs> to town, <laughs> so, from what I understand, at least defensively. So, certainly not in 11, and then 12 was just, you know, they, they did enough. Point is, that Look, was the, that was right. everything, though. They did enough. Yeah. They did
2: enough. They had an elite quarterback, and the defense just had to be mediocre at best. Now, this is a very they are leading team. the league in every conceivable metric in defense. I know it's four games in. at the quarter poll. You don't get any trophies for winning September, but this is a different era of
1: football in Indianapolis. It's weird, frankly. Okay? And I know Bob Kravitz wrote about this, and we all alluded to it in our stories, that... <laughs> This is, as I put it in my story, I used the term, this is the land of Peyton Manning. What the hell is going on? <laughs> okay. And they're a defensive first football team, at least right now. I think they can be a very good offensive team. I think the injuries are starting to catch up to them a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, teams are maybe, just, well, first of all, that's a very good defense they played. That's Yeah. Thing. Let's, let's, yeah. Chuck Pagano's defense let's, let's, very is clear. really good. Yeah. And we'll circle back to the offense in a little bit. But, but yeah. So, but I think, the thing that has been most consistent so far is the defense. That is true. The exception being week 1, but I also don't think they were dreadful week 1. The execution just was really bad and it cost them. Now that's not an excuse, but I but I also just want to put it in perspective. I don't think they made some kind of star out of Gardner Minshew. I mean, he hit a bunch of 5-yard passes, <laughs> you know? That's what he did. And so, and and a couple coverage breakdowns, and he hits a couple touchdowns, right? So that happens. But but the point is, I think in its totality, if you look at what they've done here, this defense has been very consistent the last three weeks. And I don't care who they played, it is what it is. We'll find out a little bit here in the coming weeks because it's going to get progressively tougher. But they are where they are, they're three and one. So here's what I'd say too I think this game in particular, all right, the final score was it, 1911. It didn't feel like that score really accurately depicted what we yeah, saw. Yeah, it felt like 19-3. I felt like they three. kind of dominated them. Yeah,
2: yeah, they had, they let that late touchdown in. It was a questionable pass interference call. It felt like a 19-3 to 3 game. It felt like you were watching the Baltimore Ravens from the 2010s, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It felt like one mm. of those ugly throwback games, and a couple players alluded to that.
1: And that's okay. <laughs> okay, let's be honest. That's okay. And here's the thing. I think against a different opponent, they will make more offensive plays, and it will be prettier, and you'll get your offensive fix, right? That will happen, <laughs> okay? So, so don't worry about it. But I think for right now, I think you, I think better than anybody, kind of made this point. Like, sometimes this is what you got to do, and I think Frank Reich said that too, right? It's just sometimes these are the kinds of games that you got to win. It just they are what they are. It's not what you want. It's not what you draw up. But can you win those games? the ones that aren't pretty. (laughs) Yeah. And and what they do last year, they found a way to lose those games. And there was a
2: myriad of issues and I haven't, don't have the energy to get into the kicking game and all that. They found a way to lose these games last year. And this was different because the quarterback play was not stellar yesterday. It was not Philip Rivers was bad for most of the game. Frank Reich's not going to say it, but I'm going to say it. He was bad. He missed some throws. He's terrible in the red zone. And yet they won almost by double digits. And I don't think the Bears are a particularly bad team. They were 3-0. Maybe they were pretend 3-0. and But look, they got a great defense, and I think Nick Foles will get better. But Nick Foles was never comfortable yesterday. And, and the Colts, you know, the defense won the game. I think if I'm Frank Reich in the locker room afterward, I'm giving the game ball to every single person who suited up on defense. There was not one player. It was everybody. It was the secondary. It was the linebackers. Without Darius Leonard for a half. And it's obviously the defensive line. And we're seeing that. You know, what they say in the offseason. Chris Ballard said the three technique drives this thing. We are seeing that with the Forrest Buckner. And they said the defensive line is the engine of that defense. We've never seen it like that in Indianapolis. We've never seen the defensive line really do it like this. And I don't mean with the outside pressure because you had Freeney and Mathis were just absolute monsters for years. But we're seeing with the interior pressure, and it's making every level of the defense better, You're seeing a guy like Julian Blackman break out in the back end. Anthony Walker was really good yesterday, you know, moving from that Mike to the Will spot. Bobby Okereke has quietly been very good this season, but this is as deep as a defensive I've seen in a long time here. We'll see how they do against the really good quarterbacks that will come to town in in November and Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers come to mind. But this Matt Eberfliss deserves a ton of credit because he was getting criticized, including by me after week one and how soft that defense played Sitting back in that zone and letting Minshew do whatever he wanted, and they had the, the breakdowns that you mentioned. But Eberflus is doing as good of a job as any coordinator in football right now. Yeah, he's
1: he's somewhere saying how you like me now, like right now. Probably. I don't know that, if Matt says that stuff, but <laughs> he if he did, does this it. would be the time to say it. <laughs> I mean, I would, sure, right. I would definitely say it. He probably doesn't, though. You're right. Um, and and quick plug, right? By the way, not not even the plug. I just think it's worth mentioning. So I wrote a story last week about about. How Matty Reflus and Frank Reich, who didn't know each other, and I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, but just how this was sort of an arranged marriage, Josh McDaniels, Bails on Chris Ballard. You know that whole story. We don't need to rehash it. But you know, he's got a few coaches he was intending to have work for him who are already on staff under contract. And here comes Frank Reich, unbeknownst to him. Hey, guess what? You got a defensive coordinator, coach. Good luck. And he's like, Well, I don't know this guy. Who the hell is he? And so right. Anyhow, it works out. They figure it out. And the humility that it took, I think, was the big thing there, number one. But also, I think, give Frank Reich a lot of credit here, not just for, for being open-minded to some extent, because Chris Ballard is technically the boss, right? So, I mean, like he, it's not like he gave him a choice, but he could have been like an asshole about it, right? Right. <laughs> certainly, and he certainly really, was not. If I'm a head but, coach, I'm picking my defensive coordinator. You know, that's the sure. If he would have gone to the mat about it, right? If he would have said, like, draw the line in the sand, like, no, this is a deal breaker. They'd probably figure out a way to give him what he wants. The beauty of it, like your story said, it never happened like that. Right. And I think what I'm getting to, I say all that to say this, that I think what Frank Reich saw when, when he agreed to that, honestly, was he saw Chris Ballard's vision. Now, he may not have completely bought into it, Because he probably needed to see it, right? And I don't deny that. I think that's probably true. It would be true for everybody. But I think he saw, or at least understood, Chris Ballard's vision. Now, it probably didn't immediately come together for him, but he at least understood the plan. He heard the plan. It made sense. And he said, okay, I'm willing to let this play out. And I think this this is really the reward for it. Because, And we we saw glimpses of it in... In their first season, 2018. It just wasn't sustainable. But that's what I want to get to now. Are they at a point now where this is sustainable? I think what we have seen previously in this regime is glimpses on defense. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen the sustainable sort of stretches like they have now. Are they at a point now, in your opinion, is this sustainable? They have or just for the record number 1 in the nfl in yards per game allowed right now. I know that's not the best metric, but I think it at least well, bears points is, and they're number 1 in that as well. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I I got the ammunition two, if you need it. Right, right, right. How you like me now? Right. So, 236 yards per game. Number 2 is the Steelers, by the way. 290 yards per game. So they are freaking what? 50 something yards better than after four games at least. Better than the next best defense. I mean, that's a lot in the NFL, man. So, again, I say to you, is this sustainable? I mean, I don't expect them to do that every week, right? I mean, they're going to see like Lamar Jackson in a few weeks. But my point is, what do you think? Yeah, I'm Keith, buying it.
2: Going? I am. And um, like I said last week, it's not necessarily who they're playing. And I know that, you know, Nick Foles and Sam Darnold and uh, Kirk Cousins aren't elite quarterbacks, it, it's how they're playing. They're making these guys look like JV offenses they really are I mean they cannot move the ball and so I think about like the fundamental parts of this defense and that's why I'm buying it what do they do really well they pressure the quarterback really well from a lot of different ways Justin Houston is not getting any younger and not getting any worse he's terrific DeForest Buckner we talked about him Grover Stewart deserves a shout out as well what's another pinnacle you know principle of this defense they tackle exceptionally well and for all the Colts fans out there who lived through the Chuck Pagano years, that had to drive you absolutely crazy. How many open field tackles do the Colts miss? Not many. Yesterday, they were just incredible at that. And they and you see the flavor of defense that Iberflus wants to play. They swarm to the football. And I asked Philip Rivers about this yesterday. I was like, you played against this team every day in camp, every day in practice. What do they do well? If you're a quarterback, why are they a pain in the ass to play against? He's like... They're so fast. They swarm to the ball. You think a guy makes a move and he's got some room? He doesn't. We're seeing that every week on Sundays. This team is fast. They're tackling well. They're playing pretty disciplined. The gap scheme is really working up front because, um because Buckner's taken two guys a lot of times and that's freeing up Grover Stewart and Houston's getting to the quarterback. And Oh, by the way, Kamoko Toure is coming back pretty soon too. And he might be their fastest edge rusher. So there's a chance the pass rush gets another boost. But um, this is great teaching. I'm really starting to see it consistently every week. Um, you're seeing guys like Julian Blackman just look really, really good every week in the back end. Kenny Moore never misses a tackle. Um, this is a defense that's really, really well coached. And I think, you know, I alluded to this in the story. This is not a shot at Chuck Pagano, but he had to be on that sideline yesterday saying, Damn, that's the defense they wanted me to build in Indianapolis. And he never did. And that's, that's why he was fired. Um, and I tweeted this yesterday and I apologize if it upset you, but imagine Andrew Luck if he had this defense, man. I mean, this, this unit's playing lights out right now. And if you're a quarterback, it's, it's your best friend. And, and Rivers wasn't very good yesterday and the offense wasn't very good and the running game wasn't very good. But sometimes in this league, it doesn't matter if your defense is that good. So I'm buying the defense. They're playing really, really fundamentally sound football. I know I sound like a boring coach, but you can see
1: the teaching out there. Uh, This is a really, really well coached unit. So that's a great segue to what I I was going to say next, which is if you watch that defense, and I was there, so I got a good opportunity to see the overview of what they were doing. And particularly early in the game, one thing I noticed was they were not getting cute at all. It was a very, very basic system they were running. Very basic coverages, basic personnel. There were times where they were playing literally their base personnel. Two corners, three linebackers, two safeties, just like day one of training camp stuff. And the Bears couldn't do anything. (laughs) And I was like, wow, this is different. And the other thing I love is or what that tells me I guess let me put it this way what that tells me is it's exactly what you just said it at this point this is about execution they are doing the job they they're taught well as you said and they're executing they're not they don't have to go out there and and you know try lots of different blitzes and those things we're not seeing blitzes hardly at all they're doing what they got to do yeah yeah and and honestly the other thing is um I'm seeing a lot of aggressiveness on offense from the guys in the back end, too. They are in a groove right now, both physically and also they're locked in mentally, too, because what's happening, watch these defensive backs. They are anticipating throws. Now, that's a double-edged sword. you got to be careful, right, because you can jump around, and and maybe the quarterback pats the ball, and it's a pump fake, and, and now you're in trouble. So, okay, fine. That being said... Uh, they're doing a really good job right now of anticipating where the ball is going to go and timing their efforts to get at the ball. Yesterday, seven pass deflections. Seven. That's a lot.
2: Okay? Corey Willis, I- Xavier Rhodes, Rocky Sin, you saw these guys. You're exactly right. You saw them jump the routes and feel it, and the timing was there. And they're they're able to play more aggressive because everything is in sync on the defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one-sixth of the passes that Nick Foles threw. <laughs> I mean, 42 attempts and seven of them get get deflected by the DBs. I mean, that is that is superb. And so I I really love that. And that's why Matt Eberflus, if you're him, you're thinking, okay, well, I'm not going to mess this up by, you know, making this harder for them, <laughs> All right, and making them think too much and, and have to, you know— change things at the line of scrimmage too much. I mean, I mean, they're doing all of those things, right? They're not playing high school defense here, but at the same time, I think there's a real effort right now to just kind of keep it simple, stupid, because the execution is off the charts. What's the defense. It's a Russian cover defense at its core. Right. Right. And it's been fun.
2: It's been fun to watch. Yeah. They just, they just get up the field and try to make it hard on the quarterback. And, and you're seeing that and, you know, the one thing that jumps out at me is something Matt Eberfliss said in April or May, I'm not sure. You know, Matt Eberfliss does not reveal a lot when we talk to him. But he said this. He said, Look, we got this thing going in 18 and we drafted a lot of young guys and we played them right away. He wanted these guys to grow up in the system. And he's right, he's working with Chris Ballard on this. Ballard loves this defense. He wanted Matt Eberfliss here. They're working in tandem on this. How are we going to build this defense? Ballard wants the Legion of Boom. From Seattle a couple of years ago, right? We've talked about this on this podcast. That dude wants to dominate on defense. So he knew it was going to take some time. So what do they do? They drafted Leonard. They drafted Walker. They drafted Okariki, Kari Willis, Julian Blackman, even going back to Malik Hooker. And they played him right away. And they played these guys from their rookie year and they lived with the mistakes. And there were a lot of them, right? There were some in 18. There were a lot last year. Defense fell apart in this, in the second half of the season. But now you're starting to see the payoff. These guys grew up in the system. You add a couple key pieces, Xavier Rhodes, Justin Houston, DeForest Buckner, and everything looks different. And these guys are second and third year guys, but they're guys who played a lot of NFL football. And that's something has mentioned. And that's what you're starting to see. it. You're starting to see the payoff. These guys, they know the system. They're playing confidently. They've seen a lot of football. I mean, Rakia Sin is only playing like his 18th game in the NFL And, you know, he's only a year in. So he's he's almost like a veteran at this point. Um, That's that's something that the coaching staff and the personnel staff deserve a lot of credit for. These guys are growing up in this system and they're only going to continue to get better. I think eight of the 11 starters are guys that are fourth year or less in the league. So this defense could just be getting started.
1: That's a tremendous stat, actually. You know, we said you said eight of the eleven starters. It's either seven or eight. I added them up yeah. yesterday for my story. I mean, think about either it. Way, Xavier Rhodes in yeah.
2: Houston and Buckner.
1: Yeah, and that's yeah. about it. I mean, yeah, it, it's interesting. I remember some of these guys, as you just said. You know, some of these guys. I remember their first forays into the league. I mean, go back to 2017 before Eberflus and, and Frank Reich even got here. And I remember Anthony Walker and Kenny Moore being rookies that year. Couldn't and have been first on the first of field. all. Anthony Walker, they had no intention of playing that guy. Like, he never got on the field. I don't think till maybe like week 16, maybe. Uh, He wasn't even a name we knew,
2: to be honest.
1: That's correct. Kenny Moore was a guy playing special teams and completely screwing up all the time. (laughs) I don't know if you remember this. No. He was like, oh, I remember his first couple games, he had like two huge penalties on special teams. In successive games, I was like, this guy's terrible. Who, why do they keep playing him? Anyhow, it's exactly, though, what you said. They saw something in these guys. Some of them they drafted. Some of them they didn't, whatever the case might be. But the point is, they had a very specific profile. They knew what they wanted. They knew the types of guys they needed. And they they had a great vision. Chris Ballard had a great vision because he's seen it before, first of all, with Lovey Smith and that crew. Right. He had been down that road before, so he had seen it. Uh, he he brings in Ed Dodds, who's got the Seattle background. We talked about right. that. That is not by accident, as you said. So I think these guys, they really have an understanding of the types of players they want. And that is everything. I mean, so often you get players who play in a particular, uh, particular team, city, or system. That never really works out. Then they go somewhere else and they have some success. And you wonder, why does that happen? And I think sometimes... Team, some teams are better at knowing what they want and what they need than other teams. I mean, scouting, oh, right? Yeah. If every team was good at scouting, then everybody would get an A in the draft. Then we'd, we'd <laughs> okay. never have the Browns or whatever.
2: Right, right. And another element to this, real quick before they you finish, is this is why you don't draft for need. You draft guys that will fit your system, and then you let it play out. Because if you draft for one position— you know, that guy doesn't work out. It, it, you, you just stack these. This is what they've done the last couple of years. They just literally stacked on top of each other. Defensive talent after defensive talent after defensive talent. And look at the way it's played out. You don't know how it's going to play out. But trying to fit position holes, it just that's just not the way to do it, at least from what I've seen. Yeah, I agree. Looking for an
0: assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet
1: offer on your first wager. So, before we move on to the offense, I just want to make a special men- mention of Julian Blackman. Okay, can we talk about this freaking kid? <laughs>
2: He's not Are even right? supposed to be playing. No, what I is he happening? Wasn't play until like mid October or late November.
1: Yeah. And see, this is what happens. Okay, oftentimes you you have an idea in your head of how something's going to work, and then Malik Hooker goes down, right? Or in the case of the offense, right? Uh, Marlon Mack goes down, right? And so now all of a sudden, hey, Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, remember when we talked about you maybe getting eight, ten carries? Yeah, no, so much for that. And so, yeah, and and so I think that's what just so happened uh, for their to their benefit. This kid is an incredibly fast healer. Had an ACL. In December. He's healed. He's ready to go. I wish I was that young and healthy. But the point is, I I think getting on the field was one thing. We didn't know what we were gonna get from him. Okay. This kid is what a presence this kid is. And that's what I love. Because it's one thing to make the play and to execute, go back to the huddle, get a pat on the helmet. Okay, hey, do it again. Okay, all right. That's what you're supposed to do. This kid is doing things way beyond that. He is making impact plays on the game. In fact, I mean, he's forcing turnovers now. I mean, he's drawing the ball ball loose. He's making those receivers have to think twice going over the middle. That comment I made about the
2: draft. I mean, no, you're not supposed to draft a free safety. You got Malik Hooker. Well, if you really like Julian Blackman and you like his skills and you like his ability and you think there's a huge ceiling, which the Colts thought, even though this kid played one year of safety in college, you go get him. And if you don't think he's going to be ready for the opener, that's cool. That's fine. We'll just wait. And I remember before the Vikings game, week two, I got a text right before inactives came out, and someone I trust said, "Hey, I think Blackman's going to play today." And I thought it was almost a joke for a minute. I was like, <laughs> "You're like no, he's, he's not. <laughs> barely practiced." What? And <laughs> little did I know they were right. That kid balled out in that first game. His first game in the NFL. He started the next week. And then in Chicago yesterday, his best day as a pro, and he'll have better days because he's just getting started. But that that kid has so much talent; you can just see it. He's just always around the ball,
1: and I think his upside at safety is is huge because he's still new to the position too. Right, that's the other thing. He's only played safety for one college season, one, and then had no training camp with the Colts, <laughs> and then all he does is come out and. And instantly be one of the best players on the field. So, I'm just telling you, this kid has just scratched the surface. He I don't even know that he knows what the hell he's doing. But he's out there crushing it. Yeah, he he's just an instinctive player, too. You can see the, the corner skills and the, the instincts, the anticipation. He sees the game. Yeah, he sees the game uh, both through the eyes of a corner and a safety because he's played both. So, he has this unique... Perspective, I think that's going to really serve him well. So, anyway, I just I think just as an observer, as someone who's not a fan but obviously very close to this team and and you know enjoys watching good football, I'm just really excited to watch this kid grow because I think he's going to be fabulous. So now the Colts also play offense, not <laughs> <And> well. <laughs> yeah. So all right, this is a tough, not a tough subject. It's a tricky subject. Why do I say that? Because do I think the Colts suck on offense? No. No. They did yesterday. But I think we've got to figure out, right? Just like we were just asking, all right, is the defense sustainable? Let's well, talk about the offense. Like, is this what they are, or is this really just did they do or excuse me, did the Bears do to them what what the Colts did to Nick Foles, essentially, <laughs> which was make him look terrible. I, I think there's a little bit of that going on. But what what was your primary takeaway offensively? Like if you had to say one – there's one takeaway, what was it?
2: Yeah, I think everything can be true. I think the Bears yeah. are really, really good defensively. And, and you could just tell it was tough to find openings and to find lanes and to find open passing windows. I think Phillip Rivers was bad yesterday, and I think that can also be true. And he missed some throws that NFL quarterbacks cannot miss. And if this was Jacoby Brissett in the game yesterday, he would have been killed for that performance. That's just the reality. The fans turned on Jacoby last season, and um, we still hear about it all the time. Rivers was bad, and he made some throws early, and he missed a lot of throws late, and he was bad in the red zone. Um, And that's a fact. And that worries me a little bit moving forward because, you know, in talking to some people today – Like, look, you're not going to get a lights out defensive performance every week. The offense is going to have to win some games. And like Rivers said, we think we can go get 35. We're going to go do that. I don't know if they can right now with the injuries they have at receiver. Um, They're still getting Trey Burton back. Jack Doyle hasn't been a huge factor in the passing game. They're down. They're starting running back. Jonathan Taylor was good yesterday, but still has some room to grow. Um, I just wasn't impressed with the offense yesterday. I get that they're playing a really, really stingy defense. But to be completely honest, Phillip Rivers just worries me a little bit. I have not seen NFL quarterbacks miss those kind of throws very often without some conversation, right? We we saw Jacoby miss those throws last year, and he lost his job. Rivers isn't losing his job, but moving forward, when they play tougher teams and tighter games, he's going to have to be a lot better. I'm not
1: sure he can. And see, here's the thing. He he wasn't good, right? And I think we, we can get into the particulars at, of that in just a second. But Rivers wasn't good. But they also didn't run the ball that great either. And that's the thing, right? I mean, they usually can figure out one aspect or the other. in In Jacksonville, right? The running game it started off hot with Marlin, and and certainly did not continue uh, the same way. But that was okay. I mean, they were moving the ball through the air just you know at will. Okay, they lost the game, but the passing game, in terms of being able to move the ball, that wasn't the problem, right? It was more about execution and those things. The point is, this was the rare game so far this year where they couldn't do either one. And so, I I don't think that will happen a lot. I don't either. I, I, do, I do think they, they will generally be able to figure out one or the other. But, thank God for the defense is all I can say. Because if you, if you don't get that defensive performance, I mean... Maybe it's one of those nine to three type of games, you know, in the fourth quarter, and now you can lose. <laughs> you let me let saying? me ask
2: you this: Let's evaluate Frank Reich yesterday.
1: Didn't oh, think he I'm had the greatest that.
2: day calling plays. Didn't feel like they had a lot of confidence on offense, and and I just didn't
1: feel like he figured it out. Yeah, and I have a thought on that, and my thought is, yeah, like what what were you doing, Frank? <laughs> well, I mean, to be more specific, it's this. I I think sometimes. When you're playing a defense like that and they're having a good day, it takes you out of character. And and so now you're Frank Reich and you're like, yeah. okay, the, the usual fastball is not working. So now i gotta I got to think. i got to figure it out. And you can overthink it too. And I wonder about that. So I'll give you an example. For example, why not just ride Jonathan Taylor in the second half? I don't get when, that. I don't yeah, get it. Man. When it's clear, okay, to me, at least, when it's clear that Jordan Wilkins didn't have his fastball. Naheem Hines was just okay, but a little boomer bust. Okay. And I think that's kind of how Naheem is sometimes, right? I mean, he doesn't always, he's not always going to hit a big play. Uh, he, he's going to get dropped for one or two yards sometimes or zero sometimes, right? And it is what it is, right? He's a big play waiting to happen, but sometimes you got to wait a little while for that big play to happen. <laughs> so I think Jonathan Taylor clearly was the guy in that backfield who was moving the ball better than anybody else. So I thought that should have continued. Uh, The last scoring drive, which was early fourth quarter, they had the ball for seven-plus minutes, held it to about the three-minute mark. So they're marching down the field. Uh, Jonathan Taylor hits, I think he hits a a 12-yarder. He hits another couple you know, decent runs later in that drive. And in the last, I believe, five plays of that drive, I don't think he touches the ball. I'm like, wait a minute, why? That, that doesn't make sense to me. Befuddles
2: me. I thought about it at the time, and I was like, what are they doing? And I'm still thinking about it after I watched the tape this morning. It just doesn't make sense to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I was, I was confused by that. So, so that was, that was definitely interesting. Uh, I also felt like there were times in the game where, where Frank Reich, and he said this, and it was out of character for him. I feel like he. Had maybe opportunities to be aggressive and just said, yeah, you know what? No. And I'm not like going to kill him for that. I get it. It was a different type of game. I and liked I actually, that, to be honest. Yeah, because I think that was fine. It just was it was just unexpected, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. It was. It was out of character, like you said.
2: And, and he, But I, I get what Frank was doing because I didn't feel a ton of confidence in the offense. And that includes the offensive line, which I don't think won the day against the Bears' defensive line. And – I I would bet on the on the Colts defense yesterday. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but they're the best unit on the field and I would I would gladly put Nick Foles back on the field and take my chances with my defense. So, you know, if I'm on my half of the field and I've got a 4th and 1 or 4th and 2, I'm punting and I'm going to make Nick Foles drive down the field. They only did it once and it was in garbage time, to be honest. So, um but that's a good point right. you make that that all of a sudden the super aggressive coach who always wants to run it down the throat of the opposing team said, "No." No, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let my defense finish the job today.
1: Yeah, it was just different. And I, I do think that like I'm totally on board with what he said, right? I mean, I get it. Uh I, I just think that there were a couple of instances there where all right, you could go either way, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and especially when you're not having success running the ball, I'm like, look, you know, you might have a two score lead, but at, you know, it only takes one big play and all of a sudden you're in a completely different game, right? So, I uh, thought there were a couple of instances. I think it was early in the third quarter, for example, where uh, he he actually does get really aggressive for, for one particular series. <laughs> like, they throw the ball down the field like two times in a row. and I think there was another like first down pass. It was like, well, wait a minute. What's going on here? But Then, at other times, it was complete opposite. So, I felt like when they did get aggressive, there were opportunities there. They made some of those plays and didn't make some. But when they did, at those rare times, they did. I mean, T.Y. Hilton gets the pass interference. They hit Marcus Johnson for a big play. Uh, I believe there was another one who I I can't remember. It was Zach Pascoe. I think a 36-yarder. So, they didn't take a lot of shots, but the shots were very productive. And so, I just wondered maybe if like, hey, maybe that was there. I think the Bears clearly came into this game saying they're not running the ball on us. Damn it, <laughs> that was clear. So you know, maybe you should take your cues there. But anyway, it, it is interesting. And and as I wrote, it's it's great when you can second guess yourself after a win <laughs> because then even if you were wrong, it doesn't matter, right? So Yeah, that's where and I think they now. learned
2: something yesterday. They learned that the defense is good enough to carry them when the offense doesn't have its best stuff. They learned that if they're not going to be able to push the ball down the field, not going to be able to run the ball, they're going to have to figure out something because that offense is not going to win you a lot of games. Let's just say what it is. I don't think the defense is going to hold a lot of teams to 11 points the rest of the year. They might, but the bar is really, really high right now, and it's probably not sustainable at this pretty wild level. But Look, the 3-1, and one, you know, who would have thought after Jacksonville, as bad as that was, as bad as it looked, they would have looked as good as they looked the last couple of weeks. I mean, it wasn't just the Jets who were terrible. It wasn't just beating up the Vikings. They went into Chicago, and they manhandled a 3-0 and team. And, you know, we'll see how it goes the rest of the way, but but I'm excited for this Browns game because the Browns can move the ball. They can score some points. They've got ex- some explosion on offense. And they got a defensive line that can be a pain. So uh, another good test for the offensive line. But, you know, who would have thought Colts-Browns week five, one (laughs) of the NFL's quietly great
1: games coming up. It's a big game. I mean, you know, four and one in the NFL is a big deal. You're four and one. You're on your way, man. You know what uh, I mean? Like I mean I know they were 5 and 2 last year. 5 and 2 I just sticks that. in my mind. It does. But a lot of things had to happen for them right. to come back down to earth, right? right. I mean like eight. they were never as good as 5 and 2. I think we can all agree. Like that team was shockingly 5 and 2, right? Right. <laughs> in spite and of eight. everything that had happened. Hot Rod 4 for 4 yesterday. Shout out that to the Kicker. That was definitely good. Special teams by the way. Special teams Great job. Continuing to do a good job. I mean and that and it's not just a kid. It you. matters.
2: It seems like they I, have the field position advantage every single week. And that matters.
1: And look at a couple of things. Number one, you look at what's happening with, for example, Naheem Hines. This guy, I don't know what he averaged yesterday. I need to look that up, but he's averaging uh, I don't, I'm actually want to look this up because this is important. Naheem Hines on punt returns, he averaged ten point five yards. Okay, it doesn't sound like a lot. But he had a long of twenty-one. A lot of times, first of all, in today's day and age, you know, you're getting getting five yards in a punt return. Okay, he averaged ten, but that long of twenty-one—that's everything, man. Twenty yards of field position. Okay, I, I'm just telling you, he he has a great feel for when to go for it and when not to go for it. And I mean, he's not he's not about the fair catch. Okay, let me just tell you. <laughs> but I and I, I love that though. I think because. It, it's it's part of their. We talk about them being aggressive. That is part of that aggressiveness we're talking about, where they teach that. They teach you know what. You got that interception. Go get that ball, right, Julian Blackman or Xavier Rhodes. Like they have. They've sort of beaten that into their players, and I think you see it just demonstrate itself in a lot of different ways. Uh, they're aggressive on special teams. They're aggressive on offense, on defense. There's different ways to be aggressive, and I think. That is the persona of this team. It may not be obvious, right? Because we're talking about unconventional ways to, to look at this in this respect. But I do think that goes back to the personality of this team. And I think that, could, you know Chris Ballard, right? Chris Ballard is a go-for-it type of guy. You know Frank Reich, and you know his persona, okay, as a coach. It's like, we're playing to win, right? And so I think that's that right there is a great example. And, and even the way... Rigoberto Sanchez is handling things, okay? I think that is a great example as well. They are not just content to just kind of put the ball in the corner and hopefully it goes out of bounds at the five. No, they're trying to get the roll. They're trying to get it down to the one. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. The point is, they're not just going to be, they're not going to go about this passively, be it on punts, kickoffs, what have you. Uh, I, I think that's just great stuff right there. So, Hey, man, you know, shout out to special teams. It matters, man. And, and especially when you have a day like they had yesterday where the offense doesn't get it done, all right? We talked about defense. Defense got to do their part. But, hey, special teams matters, man. And I thought the, the Bears were not nearly as good on special teams. And that, the Colts won that aspect, I felt like. Uh, one thing we didn't cover, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up, is are you, are you kind of disappointed with the offensive line in any respect? Should we Yeah, be? a little bit. Or is that just um, a great, Bears defense, do you think?
2: I think it's both. And, and I don't want to sound the alarm bells, but I don't think they're as good as they were last year. At least, you know, if you take the full body of work, and I might even go as far to say, is I think their best year under Frank Reich was 18, especially late in the season. Now, look, mm-hmm. they made the coaching change, right? They got rid of Googe Dave, Dave Googliermo, however you pronounce his last name, and um they inserted Chris Strasser. And, and look, it's still one of the best lines in football. But they're not dominated like they did back then. And then I get it. Look, Jonathan Taylor is not Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack is, is a step ahead in, in vision and seeing the holes and hitting the holes. But, um, you know, Rivers was under some stress yesterday. He was sacked a couple times. Um, I do think the Bears defense is, is just an absolute monster to play against. And, and you saw that yesterday. But, um, I, you know, that just my gut reaction is I don't think the defense – excuse me. I don't think the offensive line is quite as dominant as we're used to seeing.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Last year, you, you mentioned eighteen. I thought last year they had some great moments. I think I think back to that that Chiefs game, right? That's probably like the single best game I've ever seen them play. This group, this particular group, single best game I've ever seen them play. So they've they've done it. And uh, I mean, even I think even like the last few weeks, I've, I've seen some moments. But but I don't think yesterday they had their hands full. Yesterday, there's no question about it. And I I think it goes back to something I was trying to communicate earlier, but probably didn't do a good job. This game was the one where the competition did catch up with them a little bit. I feel like, you know, and that's why it was a tougher game. It was clearly a tougher game. The level of competition was tougher. So that makes sense. That checks out. So I I guess you can take some solace in that. They passed the test, (laughs) but uh, they, they will get tougher. So we'll see. But, but yeah, there, there was definitely a step up in competition yesterday. And I think, the, 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 the difficulty that the offensive line experienced, I think, was definitely a reflection of that. But they also need to step it up generally. I do agree with that. So we will see. Um, listen, like I like said, on the Cleveland next week, man, I I don't know. I did not anticipate that being a matchup of 3 and one teams. But I, I don't know. I think, as I say every week, we're getting a little more information about this team every yeah. single
2: week. So more, it's just the same old story, right? The defense is carrying the the offense, like we've been watching for twenty years, <laughs> right? We're just waiting for the offense to catch
1: fire. Uh, and we'll see. When, how long when are the Colts last. ever going to have a good offense? I mean, like, what is right. taking so long? Right. Uh, listen, we're recording this uh, before Frank Reich's availability on Monday, so we're waiting on word on Darius Leonard. That's the one. Injury of note. I, I think I'm missing one other. Uh, Rocky, Sin. Uh, Rocky Sin had a little bit of a maybe. I'm not sure if it was a groin, some it, sort of lower body, lower or leg.
2: At the very yeah. end of the game, Frank did not have any info on it. Yeah, Sunday so we'll find out
1: shortly. There's two key for the injuries. Week. Yeah, going up against that Cleveland offense, obviously. So uh, stay tuned to the athletic. We'll keep you posted on those things throughout the week. Uh, lots of good stuff coming. I know Zach has a story he wants you to read this week. Uh, that. He's looking forward to sharing, and uh, we're going to keep them coming. So thank you guys for subscribing. Still got the $1 a month subscription special, I believe, for a limited time. That's still available. That has been a big hit. So jump on board. You get that, I think, for 12 months, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, for the you know price of a couple of lattes, <laughs> you can read the great coverage on The Athletic. So of the Colts and all other teams we cover as well. So thank you again for listening. Uh, We'll be back later in the week with episode number 2 of this week looking forward to Colts at Browns on next Sunday. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Keeper. Thanks for listening to WABC.